0: You're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious To learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical. Or a lactation provider. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. This is Lisa Palladino. We've taken a couple of weeks off, but we're so excited to be back with our new shows. I hope you enjoy them um, as much as I enjoy recording them. Today, we have a special guest. We have Dr. Jessica. Layton from Naperville, Illinois. And Dr. Jessica Layton is a chiropractor. She's actually defines herself as a pediatric chiropractor, and we'll talk about that today. And the mother of two children who had lip and tongue ties. So Dr. Layton knows firsthand how troubling they can be to new parents and infants. In working with local IBCLCs and birth providers, SLPs, and pediatric dentists, Dr. Layton strives to help families manage and correct the effect that oral ties have on them and their babies, as well as educating other professionals regarding proper assessment and management options. Dr. Layton is an active member of many professional organizations, and I will list them in the show notes. She has completed lots of coursework and training specific to TOTS and we'll talk about my favorite one and oral motor dysfunction with various providers and organizations, including providers in her area. And she strives to stay up to date on the most recent techniques and research. Dr. Layton, thank you so much for joining us. And um, I'm excited to chat with you today. Me, you know, one of the reasons is because when I asked you what, is, what you wanted to talk about, It was a topic near and dear to my heart. And that's the safety of chiropractic, right? So why is it? Can you tell us a little bit about why is it that we are so, quote unquote, afraid of chiropractic, especially for children in this country?
1: So I think part of the issue that in regards to safety for kids that are getting adjusted by chiropractors, that we see so much stuff on social media and the internet with adults. And so as an adult, you know, we're taking our child to see this bodywork provider that we know nothing about, um, or our only experience with chiropractic care has been for an adult or for themselves. And, you know, it it can look aggressive. It can look like it's really forceful. Um, and oftentimes those videos on social media, there's extra microphones and that involved to make it sound, you know, super Mm -hmm. crunchy and, you know, Mm -hmm. for the effect of, you know, a social media post. Um, but in reality, that's not always what it's like for an, even an adult to be adjusted. Um, and for a a child, you know, we use, it's only about 5% of the force that we would use for an adult that we would Mm -hmm. use on a child or an infant. Um, there's no popping, twisting, cracking, you know, it's not like Mm
0: -hmm. that That could be Um, the headline. There's no cracking.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I occasionally will hear like a little pop, you know, here or click here and there with a kiddo. It's usually, you know, toddlers and that older kids. Um, but there's, it's not as aggressive as you might think that. An right. Aggressive so what I, you know, because in
0: my practice as a lactation consultant, I often refer families to the chiropractor for different mm-hmm. reasons and for their babies. And, Sometimes they come back and say it. It almost didn't even seem like she did anything,
1: right? But but it helped. But it helped, you know. Yeah, with the adjustments themselves, you know, um, you know, for an example, to adjust a cervical spine for an infant. Mm Um, I usually have them lying on their back on like a pillow or mom's lap um, and I just use gentle sustained contact with the tips of my fingers. Um, the baby is really kind of guide the movement that they're lacking and what they need and so you know I just put my fingers where I feel like there's a little bit of restriction and movement and oftentimes they feel that too. And they'll kind of wiggle around a little bit um, and almost kind of self adjust in a way. I'm just using Mm -hmm. my hands and fingers to kind of guide that movement, not forcing the movement, um, just allowing them to achieve the movement on their own.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And so, yeah, oftentimes parents will say like, Oh, you already did, you already did it. You're done. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you maybe fell asleep. Yeah. I'm going to
0: ask a silly, maybe a silly question because this is often something that happens. And, um, that I get reports back about, and I've had the experience with babies in my care and even my own grandson, they poop afterwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like the total relaxation for a child to be yeah. in that total Vegas let go, right? And they. A
1: lot of them, they don't even hit the parking lot before. right. right. I actually keep a whole big basket full of new onesies and wipes and diapers here just because we've had, you know, the the new parent that swapped out diaper bags and didn't have an outfit ready.
0: Right, right,
1: right. So, yes, very common for that to happen.
0: So um, I believe because I was raised with chiropractic and I'm very comfortable with it. I believe that everyone should be seeing a chiropractor regularly for maintenance. And then like, I call it tune ups when I need it, you know? Um, and I believe that, but that's not a widely held. I mean, it's, it's widely held belief, but not universally held. Let's put it that way. So, um, I think that every baby should have a chiropractic adjustment, but what specifically about babies that have, um, lip or tongue tie. And we're going to use the abbreviation for those who don't know the abbreviation tots that refers to tethered oral tissues. And that includes lip tie, tongue tie, um, buckle ties, if they, if they are there. So the, if a baby has tots, why does that specifically, why is that a specific need? And how does that, you know, help that individual baby?
1: Sure. So, um, with, especially with, you know, like buckle ties and that, um, anytime that there's an abnormality in tension of tissue in the body, it can cause asymmetry elsewhere in the body too. So, Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing that I, you know, talk to parents about is that, you know, yes, your child, this issue has been found and evaluated in their mouth, um, you know, tongue tie, lip tie, buckle tie, but it has a bigger impact. It's not only affecting their mouth. So, um, I'll show them anatomically how, you know, that same fascia that's around the tongue attaches, it's the same fascia that's near the diaphragm, the pelvic floor, all the way down to the feet. And so I show them how these things are connected. And so and I'll even sometimes, you know, some of these babies are really good demonstrators. Um, And so I'll say, Mm -hmm. you know, watch how when I try to extend their neck, they pull their hips up. Um, Mm -hmm. They're compensating and trying to alleviate this tension because there's something kind of stuck. Right. And so chiropractic care is really helpful because we can kind of alleviate any tension that's due to the tie. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you know, we're not going to be getting rid of it. uh, But if there's enough tension that it's causing, you know, in a buckle tie, for, for instance, and there's, you know, a lot of tension in this left side of the face, and it's causing a little bit of a pull to that left side, now they might not have full cervical rotation to the right. They might not have mm-hmm. full cervical lateral flexion to the right. Um, and so it creates an imbalance in their movement and other muscle structures and other joints that can be impacted. And so I do full spine care on those kiddos. Um, oftentimes it's pretty common for them to have their cervical spine adjusted by chiropractors um, when there's a breastfeeding or a latching mm-hmm. issue. But I do full spine Um you know, the, the jaw and the pelvis are embryologically connected, right, uh, right. physiologically connected. So uh, with their uh, the embryology development, mm-hmm. uh, and so then they just grow from there. And there's right. special chains that are connecting, even in, you know, I'm an acupuncturist as well. And so even okay. in Chinese medicine, there's connections between right. the jaw and the pelvis. And um, that makes so much I sense. You probably make sense out of that too with, you yes. know, we want yes. women to keep their in mouth birth. nice and yes. relaxed and then their pelvis is nice mm-hmm. relaxed. Right?
0: Okay. yeah so. so as a midwife you often say relax your jaw relax your jaw mm-hmm. you know um so i'm finding this interesting and in connecting it to those babies when i place them on the scale mm-hmm. and i put their back flat on the scale and their feet go up sometimes mm-hmm. to one side not the other mm-hmm. and yeah. i in my own you know uh, I've, I've gotten a lot of body work terms over the years because I've yeah. been doing this for a long time, but I try to explain it to parents. Like babies are born mostly all curled up. Yeah. Right. And it's like some babies uncurl easier than others. Uh-huh. It does that makes like, is that a way, like, am I saying the uh-huh. right thing? Like some babies sure. need help in curling out, even uncurling evenly. And it's very simplistic, but you know, I think that that helps. I've seen light bulbs go on on in parents when I explain it that way, that we, we're not going to do anything to the baby except assist them. And like you were talking before that the baby guides your adjustment. We're just helping them to get to their best potential of movement and relaxation in their body. For
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the thing with, I try to stress to parents that we're not, we're never forcing anything with a baby or an, you know, toddler. Um, I I do a lot of walking adjustments here in the office, the the kiddos that are mobile crawling and walking and toddling around. um, You know, we get them playing and we adjust them and we just, we do what we can. You know, Mm -hmm. there's days where I've had a new patient come in, uh, an infant that has suspected lip or tongue tie, and they are just, they're not having it. Like that day, they are just not in a good place. You Mm -hmm. know, there's a missed nap or someone's hungry. And so we... Try to give lots of time so babies, you know, they can have that diaper change and get fed before we do an assessment Mm -hmm. um, so we're not, you know, hangry (laughs) while we're trying to do an old assessment. Um, But there's not a a couple of parents where I just said, you know what, I don't think today's the day that we're going to do much. Uh, Baby's not in good spot. Sometimes they are, they're just like these high stress, tense babies Mm -hmm. um, and a strange, you know, I'm a stranger to them. They Mm -hmm. don't know me. My office is a new strange place. And so... You know, there's days where I'm like, you know what, maybe today's not the day, and we just kind of do what we can with those kiddos Mm -hmm. that day, Um, and we do more later. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, so babies, and their birth can play a a large role in that, too. So, you know, part Mm -hmm. of my history is oftentimes, you know, what was mom's kind of birth story, you know, how was her labor, or was it a really fast, precipitous labor? Or was it really long and you know, prolonged? Um, mm-hmm. was baby what position the baby
0: over? was in, right? Oh, I mean, that could...
1: I mean, that plays yeah. a huge role. You know, yeah. we've seen babies in posterior position. And, you know, that puts a lot of... you know Normal anterior position is great because it kind of splints their cervical spine. It's a nice protective position. But when they're posterior, I mean, there's so much pressure coming and pushing their head back into extreme extension. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can cause irritation to the joints, the muscles, the nerves, everything can be kind of overstretched, Mm -hmm. irritated. And even, you know, for an adult, if we overstretched a muscle, um, I tried doing a cartwheel with my daughter the other day. Overstretched, wasn't feeling
0: my. Oh my goodness! I I did that this summer too,
1: and it was so silly. It was the dumbest thing. I I was so. I was like, "Oh, that wasn't a good idea." But you know, we know what it feels like to have something overstretched or kind of strained, and so and that hurts. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It impacts our function. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for a baby, you know, their main function is just being able to adequately, you know be fed right. um, but it can be impacted by you know the birth process that's a lot of trauma and stress on their little bodies and so mm-hmm. that's a big part of my history taking um, is you know how long were you in labor how long was your pushing stage what was baby's position um babies that are multiples you know with twins usually there's one mm-hmm. baby that's a, kind of an ideal position and the other one's just figuring it out and taking mm-hmm. up what space they can around the, you know twin mm-hmm. a um uh, but I there. Yeah, yeah, I
0: like I like that you brought that up because I had a tw- I had twins recently in my office for breastfeeding help, and one of them had to go to NICU,
1: and okay. I was
0: I wasn't really um, taking that full picture of it wasn't just the NICU experience that had affected the baby. It was probably because the reason the baby had to go to NICU because he was in a okay in a probably awkward position and was the second baby born and yeah. that might have been a part of it. And I don't always consider that with the twins. That's, that's a great, like
1: yeah. great Even way to look at it. You know, they're cranial molding. I mean, I've yes. seen twins come out and like one has kind of a flat spot already, you know, they're newborns. Mm-hmm. They're not, it's not like a plagiocephaly from lying You know, on their back all the time mm-hmm. or something like corticollis, but you know, they might have been jammed up against, you know, the other baby, or right. you know, part of mom's you know bony pelvis or right. kid or something. and right. so um, it's important to know all that because you know if they're in that position for weeks or months, you know, and we have this tension that's developing in one side of you know there's an mm-hmm. asymmetry in their development, right. um, Yeah, that, that might cause some issues with nursing yeah. or feeding afterwards.
0: If you are a professional who's interested in knowing more about tongue ties and breastfeeding, I'd like to take a moment to invite you to learn with me. If you're listening to this podcast in September of 2022, you are just in time to join us for the free webinar, Five Facts About Tongue Tie That Breastfeeding Babies Want You To Know. It's totally free, just for professionals, And that means any professionals, IBCLCs, CLCs, other lactation providers, doctors, dentists, midwives, nurses, OTs, PTs, SLPs, chiropractors. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. All professionals who work with families, pregnant, breastfeeding, planning on being pregnant or breastfeeding, any of you who work with families are invited. Join us on October 4th, 2022, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, as I shatter some myths that you may have been taught about breastfeeding babies with tongue tie. The link is in the show notes, but it's a bit.ly link bit.ly slash five tongue tie facts with the first letter to each word in capitals. So there's a capital T, another capital T, and a capital F. Sign up today because it's happening soon. Five facts about tongue tie that breastfeeding babies want you to know. There'll be lots of time to have your questions answered during the webinar. And if you are considering it, you'll hear about an opportunity to join our professional course. While we are live, I'll announce an opportunity for a deep discount on the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant. And the whole webinar is going to be recorded, but if you're there live, you'll be eligible for a special bonus that's only for those who are listening live. I sure hope you'll be there. Again, all the info is in the show notes, but you can follow the link to bit.ly, slash five tongue tie facts. See you October 4th. So, um, you mentioned in your bio or I mentioned when I read your bio, um, about that you work with a team. I mean, you, yeah. you didn't say the word team, but to me, it, that's a team, right? You Absolutely. have, yep. you work closely with the CNM. I know you share an office with a midwife yep. and there's IBCLCs and dental providers for release, okay. right? So yep. how, where do you fit in on the team as far as, you know, your ideal Um, situation with a a mother-baby dyad? Like when would they see you? I'm talking about a mother-baby dyad that's having struggles with breastfeeding and the IBCLC knows it's, it's related to tongue tie. So where do you fit in there?
1: Yeah. So um, most of the babies that I see here are either referred from the, an IBC, there's a couple IBCLCs locally that I work with closely. They're either referred from them because maybe they were, you know, born, in the hospital, and that IBCLC recommended someone else for them to see you know, once they went home. Um, I try, I, because I see as a chiropractor so many pregnant women as well, about half mm-hmm. my patients are infants, the other half are pregnant women. Um, I try to educate moms while they're still pregnant. You know, I ask, like, what are your plans for feeding baby? Are you planning on breastfeeding? And I really encourage them to do a prenatal consult or visit with an IBCLC so that everything You
0: see me, like, standing up and cheering?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yay! Yay!
0: because That's my so- ideal plan too.
1: <laughs> and it really works out well. yeah we, uh, IBCLCs in our area are so phenomenal. But you know, once you have a problem, it could be two or three weeks before they can get you in. Right. And so, right. if they have that prenatal consult, they can get the, you know they're already established right. with our care. They can get in right. faster. Um, so those moms, because they know how much I value, you know, the IBCLCs training and their support, but they also know that I work with some of those issues too. So sometimes mm-hmm. there's first because we already have this relationship i saw them you know days before baby was born and they come back in with baby beautiful they're having some issues and i'll do an assessment and see what's going on and i'll say you know i really do think you know you need more support than what you got in the hospital mm-hmm. um here's you know some some uh right. lactation. so they're the good.
0: referrals they're go in all directions they go in all directions beautiful yeah.
1: i mean i work with a yeah. midwife, wife and so i'm just this morning you know I was at a birth I did mm-hmm. adjusted mom and labor but then also did a quick assessment on baby afterwards mm-hmm. as they were trying to get him to latch for the first time mm-hmm. um we kind of suspected some issues there because he's baby number three and both of his sisters had ties as well and right. mom has ties, dad has so ties she's so prepared we kind of knew what was yeah. going on but um yeah I did an assessment then so yeah the referrals are going both ways um but there's definitely times where I don't think that I'm like the best option for a baby. You know, sometimes babies need more than, you know, a couple of adjustments. I refer babies to SLPs. You know, if mm-hmm. there's truly more of an oral motor right. issue versus right. neurologic, I'll send them there. Um, mm-hmm. I co-manage with them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. So we, <laughs> but we try to like make sure it's also not overwhelming for the parent too. Right. right. Because then it's like, okay, you need to see, you know, your your one week, two week, four week visit for baby. And then you have to have your six week visit for mom. And then here's the visits and lactation visits. And so I try to kind of get all the care that we need um, from all the different professionals, but balance it so that they're not going to three and four visits a week. and just overwhelmed with appointments. That
0: could be so challenging. And I think that's another universal um, effect that we, we see on the postpartum family that wants to do the best for their family and they want to reach their breastfeeding goals, but they're trying to recover and they're trying to learn to be a parent and we're telling them to rest and then every day there's somewhere else to go. And sometimes it's a long drive. Um, I just want to back up to what you said about the prenatal consult. And that also plays into how difficult the postpartum period can be for, especially first time moms, you know, and, and, what happens if you, if you need a lactation consultant or you suspect you need a lactation consultant because you're having some concerns, you know, whether it be nipple pain or, or, you know, baby's not latching or you're concerned about your supply, if you haven't already made a relationship, it's very difficult even to pick up the phone. You know, yeah. it, it's over. you're overwhelmed at that point and there's so much to deal with. And over the years, I've learned uh, you know a bit of more patience for parents who will reach out to me, and then'll I'll answer them back right away and I don't hear from them for two weeks because they yeah. can't wrap their heads around yeah. what to do. And I don't blame them. It's just i've've right. been a new mom myself, I know. Yeah. so um so having that relationship ahead of time, it's like calling your friends and saying, yes, the baby's out now. And now I need you, you know, and it's just so much easier to have that relationship to have talked ahead of time about what to expect and when it's important to reach out, you know, so I've been doing more and more of those package deals where there's, you know, it includes a prenatal visit. And, and like, I like to see them within the first week. And I've had parents come to me straight from the hospital. You know, right right here instead of going home because then they don't have to go out again. You know, Um, I wish they didn't need me that desperately. But unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, um, where in my location, there's a a lack of um, there's a lack of individual lactation care in the hospital. Let's put it that way. Okay, sure. Um, The lactation consultants are doing the best they can. But, you know, there's, there's just too many babies and not enough of them. Yeah. So, um, and it's very—you know—hats off to all the lactation consultants listening who do still work at the hospital. I've been there; I feel your pain. I'm not yeah. saying there's anything wrong with you. Oh it's no, just hard. That. It's just hard. Yeah, it's not you know, that individualized. It's a different kind of care. It's a different kind of care that you have to give when you're there.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, we've got lactation consultants out our way that you know we're fortunate that we have some that will do home visits and they can Mm -hmm. go and sit with their family for one or two or even three hours and try to troubleshoot and get things going. Um, and so there's times where, you know, they'll say, Oh, I I met with a lactation consultant at the hospital and they said everything was fine. And we, you know, we got to point, you know, from point A to B, but we're still trying to, you know, get somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And you know, they say, Oh, I already saw lactation. Do I really need to see someone else? I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, they're in the hospital, you're not their only person they're working with right then. Right. They're overwhelmed. Um, oftentimes in at least in the hospitals by us, the lactation consultant is not functioning just as a lactation consultant exactly in the hospital They're L and D nurses. And so they don't have the time to sit with you necessarily and you know, no fault to them, but they just they don't have the time to do that. Right. You don't right. have the support they need. So we like yeah. those pretty visits. Um, just to make sure that they're established with somebody that they're not doing research at, you know, four days postpartum with terrible nipple pain and, right. you know, being up at 3am. So,
0: so Dr. Layton, do you then see the babies who need release after release?
1: Yeah, I see them before and after. Before and so after. So okay. I like to see them at least you know in an ideal world i would see them a few times prior to a release Mm -hmm. Um, that way we can alleviate any joint imbalance muscular tension that is not related to the tie Mm -hmm. Um, that way when they go in for that tie assessment um, the docs nearby that we like to refer to do their assessment and the release all in one visit right um, if the parents are up for that and so it's nice because then when they do their assessment the tension that they're feeling they know is related to the tie and likely nothing else. And that way, when they do their post-release assessment and they re feel all that muscular tension and fascial tension, they know whether they were able to get a full, you know, nice, complete release release of the tie. Um, And then I will see them again, you know, afterwards, of course. Um, And we're working, I almost work more elsewhere in the body afterwards. So Mm -hmm. we're working at, you know, Releasing some hip tension that was present, that you know, those babies are just like curled up and like little mm-hmm. frogs. Um, and, and everything's connected, connected, right? Sometimes,
0: right? Like, once something's released, the tension may move somewhere else and you have to release yeah. the tension.
1: And so, we need to kind of help the body rebalance yeah. itself and get right. that symmetry back. Um, plus, then there's a, a neurologic component to chiropractic care, too. So, you know, the adjustments themselves, yes mechanically are helping improve movements in the joints and the, you know, the muscles. But every time we do an adjustment, it's also a big amount of input to the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so we can help with that, you know, sympathetic response and that vagal tone um, to make sure that, you know, yeah, they can maybe move better. They have this mobility, but can they calmly like rest at the breast and calmly Mm -hmm. nurse? Um, Mm -hmm. Or are they kind of in this fight or flight tense um, Mm -hmm. situation? Yeah. The mobility and the anatomy is one thing, but we also need them to neurologically be able to settle and you know right. calmly nurse and um, you know part of that they just need to know that they're safe, right? Right. So, yeah. And well, even
0: even um, not only just with feeding, I mean, there are some babies that I know aren't even able to maintain tummy time because of their right. tone and yeah. their you know and. Um, so calming that down. And also, you know, we're talking about mainly today about breastfeeding, but this is also for bottle feeding because there oh, are attention are patterns yeah. that affect bottle feeding as yep. well. Right. Gotcha. Right. So that's great. So, yeah. so I'm happy to say that if we lived in the same neighborhood, I would love to collaborate with you because oh. we're, we're hey. definitely on the same, in the same hey. um, mindset. And, um, part of that might be because of, you're a graduate of my course, right? So you took, I was so happy that you were a part of professional's guide to tongue tie. Um, and I hope that that was helpful to you to understand, you know, I try to especially help other kinds of providers understand the breastfeeding point of view. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know, and I work with, um, the the, course was really great because, you know, I had a lot of experience with ties even prior to taking the course, but it's nice to see how other providers, it's to get that information from a midwife and an IBCLC. Mm-hmm. You know, I've taken yeah. loads of coursework as a chiropractor from other chiropractors. Um, but it's really nice to see how other provider types are managing these same patients so that we can better kind of streamline their care both before and after the releases mm-hmm. are done or if a release isn't done, um, ways that we can still help, you know, um, kind of coordinate care. That we were all kind of on the same page, and so you know you focused a lot in your course on like this team approach to yes. the and Tech type you know care, and I think that's where in some places we're kind of lacking, and so I was glad to have had that with your course. Um, it really kind of I don't know if stabilizes is the right word, but yeah, um, helped me coordinate my care better versus right. just being like I'm the chiropractor, I'm doing this stuff. You're the IBCLC you'll see doing this stuff. SLP is doing this thing. Um, right. so it was really nice to kind of not only co-manage, but also understand what other providers are doing. Right. So I've done that's a lot of
0: perfect. That. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because that's my goal. Like you just yeah. verbalized and put into words the goal <laughs> of my course. And, um, you know, one of the problems with the way we all learn is that we do learn in silos and this happens in all, you know, in medical education as well. You know, sure. doctors learn with doctors and nurses learn with doc- with nurses and midwives right. learn with midwives and lactation consultants learn yeah. with lactation consultants. And it wasn't until I went to my first, um, it was the IATP back then, the first okay. international conference mm-hmm. that I went to. And I walked into the room and I saw all different professionals learning together and speaking yeah. to each other and having respect for each other. It didn't matter- right what your title was, everybody was respected at the same level. And that continues. We're both a member, you know, we're both members of ICAP. I just came from the conference. I'm all on fire from that conference. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, So ICAP, IATP, all interdisciplinary learning. Um, That's Mm. so important in, um, in the, in this work that we do, because we're not a, Part we're we're a we're a whole you know we, we try to break this body that we have up to, into parts and that doesn't work and we all you know before I started working with tongue tie I had no idea like say what an occupational therapist was I had no idea you know I hadn't even met one except you know maybe a quick meeting at the bedside when I was a nurse with someone coming right. to help a patient learn to feed themselves or something you know right
1: or like OT for a pe- my husband has said this. We were at a wedding months mm-hmm. ago, but I introduced him to some friends of mine. And his wife is a pediatric OT, mm-hmm. and so my husband said, "You're an occupational therapist for babies and mm-hmm. kids." He goes, oh, yeah." And he goes, "Well, what's their job? Just to play?" And she goes, <laughs> and
0: he goes oh. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. So there's there's so many ways that we need to understand our roles in order to be able to know who to refer to because there's sometimes okay. that I feel that a baby needs a chiropractor and there's sometimes that I know that they need the OT before the chiropractor or vice versa or yeah. you know and different families feel different com- different comfort levels with different types of providers and okay. then there's always like the financial aspect of it and things like that. Yeah. So um yeah, so that's great. So um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is the term pediatric chiropractor, mm-hmm. Do you, is that a special degree or is that just something that happens when you specialize and take courses to get better at those types?
1: So of it's, it's not a separate degree. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you're meaning more like a pediatrician has like right, a board, right. you know, they're an MD. Right. There's yeah, not so, a pediatric
0: you know. chiropractor school separate from. No. An and in school.
1: fact, it's really troubling <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because as a chiropractor in this is, I know this to be true for my particular school that I went to for chiropractic school and working with other colleagues from other um, chiropractic universities. Um, the education in chiropractic school as a general chiropractor. And once we graduate, Really doesn't include anything for pediatrics or pregnancy. Wow. Um, it's discussed in that they say, you know, yeah, you can adjust a baby or you can adjust a child, just be really careful. Wow. Um, or you can adjust a pregnant woman, just be careful and don't put too much pressure on her abdomen. Mm-hmm. But like that is not sufficient education. So right. um, if you're going to seek out a chiropractor a pediatric chiropractor to be part of your referral network or your referral team Um, there's a couple things that you can look for to know that they do have adequate training so um, there is the American Chiropractic Association has a pediatrics council and so they offer additional coursework but this is all beyond your chiropractic degree so it's all continuing education on childhood you know ailments and illnesses and the techniques on how to adjust a child versus an infant versus an adult. Um, Some parts of adjustments look very similar, but we're using, you know, a fingertip instead of a whole like palm of my hand contact. Um, It's usually smaller force, smaller area of contact. Um, And so the ACA has a council for pediatric, pediatric chiropractors the ICPA has a lot of, offers a lot of coursework for chiropractors to become more efficient in treating, safely treating children and mm-hmm. infants. Um, we also, as a midwife, you're probably familiar with the Webster technique. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've probably heard of that. Absolutely. And that's a, a certification through the ICPA as well. Um, but that even kind of gets messy with, you know, these certifications that we have um, because the ICPA offers this Webster Technique Certification, but that's for pregnant women. It has nothing to do with infants and children. And so I will, you know, I'll be talking to parents or, you know, outside of the office and I'll say, you know, have you considered taking your child to see a chiropractor? Um, Do you need help finding someone that's, you know, efficient working with babies? I'm like oh yeah, I saw a chiropractor when I was pregnant. You know, they're Webster certified. I'll, I'll take them there. I'm like well, oh, that's great. good thinking. They're
0: assuming if they're Webster certified, they know right. how to take care. Of so them. so
1: there's this assumption that they're synonymous, and they're right. not. Right. Um, now there are lots of chiropractors that are pediatric chiropractors and also Webster trained. Yes. Right. So right. Great. The um, one that
0: the one that I refer to, I'm very, I'm very. Blind. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
1: oftentimes that they are both, but mm-hmm. it's not something that you can just bank on. So, um, you know, I will. I gave a talk a couple weeks ago um, for other, you know, like at mostly SLPs on body work for kiddos um, and how to find the right fit to refer to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I go in and I will ask, say, you know, how often are you treating babies? If it's a chiropractor that treats anyone and everyone, like that's, there's no problem with that. But if they're treating, you know, an infant once a week or, you know, every couple of weeks, like that might not be the person that you want to take them to. Right. Um, they might be perfect, you know, be doing a good job. Um, but someone that treats babies regularly, I mean, that's half of the kiddos I see in my office. Sometimes I see more (laughs) infants under, you know, under the age of one than I do adults. Mm -hmm. Um, but we want to make sure that they're, they've done sufficient coursework right. and technique and all the different issues that go is on. There, is there
0: any place to look up that or you would just ask? Yeah,
1: so yeah, the ICPA website, um, it's icpa.com, I think, mm-hmm. um, or it might be .org. It's ICPA for kids, the number mm-hmm. four. They have a directory. And you okay, can go in great. there and look up your zip code, area code. Um, and find chiropractors in your area that are Webster trained or mm-hmm. with other credentials that will show that they've done further training for pediatrics. And then the ACA Council on Pediatrics also has a provider directory uh, of providers, and those are you know right t- you know, nationwide. And,
0: and these will all be in the show notes for those listening who are maybe in the car and trying to remember these. Oh, sure. These initials, yeah. I'll put them all in the show notes so that people can just yes. click through. Yeah. So that, and if, that you ever,
1: if you're yeah. looking for someone to refer, ask, you know, ask them where right. did you do your training? What kind of training right. are you do you do? I know pediatric chiropractors that don't do anything with feeding issues or breastfeeding. And that's right. fine. They have a different specialty. Um, yeah. but, you know, ask, what is what yeah. is your specialty? How often are you seeing babies? Ask to shadow them in their office and see, you know, how is their office set up? You know, do they are they conducive to supporting families if, you know, mom mm-hmm. needs to breastfeed or something um, or change that blowout diaper after they got that sacral adjustment? You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> what is their office like? Is it supportive of, like, you know, families coming in? Um, yeah. And,
0: and ask them. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great information because one of the, um, I don't know, very often I get the question from, from other providers like myself, mm-hmm. IBCLCs or SLPs, or other providers who are looking for networking teams, and they say, but how do I find somebody? And, you know, your suggestions are, are perfect. And that shadowing is so important. You know, I, re, I was fortunate enough to, I actually found my first office, because the office across from my chiropractor was for rent. So oh, my why don't you go see the office, you know, and it was, it was, a, it was a train wreck and we had to do a lot of fixing, but it was, it was wonderful because I could then come in with my patient and with the baby, as she did yeah. the adjustment, show, show her my assessment. She would tell me her assessment. It yeah. was, it gave a lot of confidence to the parents because they could see how well we worked together and that we were on the same page saying basically the same things from a different point of view. And I learned a lot from my visits to her office, watching her with the babies. And I felt confident then to be able to tell parents yeah. when you go to a doctor, Jen, this is what's going to happen there because I, yeah. you know, because I experienced it, you know. And there's nothing like that. And you know, I wish I wish more people would want to come to my office and see what I do, <laughs> but nobody wants to spend the time that IBCLCs spend. <laughs> That's the tough part. Yeah, yeah. If
1: close to New York, I'd come visit.
0: Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you when know, I
1: referred to, you know, I refer to a couple of pediatric dentists in our area that do the releases, and I've gone to their office, you know, for days at a time to watch them do mm-hmm. the procedure. So, similarly to what you said, you know, you know what they're going to do. So when I have a parent or a family that's in and they're you know really nervous about their upcoming release procedure, I can say, you know, this is exactly what they're going to do. They're right. Gonna, you know, you're gonna right. go in this room, and then they're gonna do this with the baby, and you know, X, Y, and Z. And so, um, I tell you know, I know all of his their staff names. You know, I me, mean? right. Sherry's gonna go with this. You know, so they make it. They know that I've witnessed what they do. They know that I trust this provider to do right. the releases and their staff. Um, I mean, he's doing he's doing my tongue tie release later this week. So. Oh wow, good so, luck! Yeah, oh my goodness, yeah, I haven't done Friday, but um, <laughs> it's nice to be able to know exactly. What's happening there? Same right. with the IBC that I refer to. She helped me with both of my kids, so right. I know. So you know was like, um, and so it's really, it's really. So, great. so here's the thing,
0: um, Dr. Layton. We were supposed to talk today about your experience with your own kids, but yeah. now that you're saying that you're having your own release, I think yeah. we should have you back on. Maybe you know in a couple of months, and sure. we'll talk about all that because I don't want to keep you know I don't want to keep you all day. And that's a whole, I mean, we could probably talk for a couple of hours on what your kid's experience was, right? And how that got you to this field. So we're definitely going to have you back, Um, you know, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. This has been, um, this conversation has confirmed some things for me and taught me some things. And I'm confident that our listeners will have learned some important tips about infant chiropractic, about how to find a chiropractor to either work with or refer to. So sure. I really appreciate that. And for those who um, want to get more information, if you live near Dr. Layton and you want to find her, all of her information will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with me today. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon.
1: Thanks for having me. It was good to be here. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.